The Bible tells us in Psalm 37, 4, to delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. But it begs the question, what's the desire of your heart? What is it that you really want more than anything? And if somebody gave you Aladdin's lamp and you rubbed it and the genie came out and granted you three wishes, what would those three wishes be? Well, we're not talking about wishes here so much as, as a prayer request. And we're not talking about genie, we're talking about God. And we're talking about Jabez actually asking God for something. He asked God for something very, very spiritual. What would we ask God for if it were us? The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skeving. Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn back to the book of 1 Chronicles and the fourth chapter. And back here, we're going to find an obscure saint or a nobody. And we've been looking at God's nobodies recently here. And, and way back here in the Old Testament, we find one buried and hidden and tucked away in the pages of God's Word. And it's the only place that we find him mentioned in the whole Bible, just two verses. And uh, he had a very, very special wish, very special desire, petition, uh, something he asked God for. And it's really something I want to bring up to the 21st century because it ought to be something in our hearts as well. His name is Jabez. And here in First Chronicles 4, we pick up his story in verse 9. It says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. Exclamation point. Notice that. And God granted him that which he requested. I've entitled this, What a Wish. What a Wish. Let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we ask you, dear Lord, to help us to listen closely to these two verses and others that correspond with it. And Father, we just pray that you would help us to learn something from this very obscure saint. Father, I just pray that though he was a nobody, we could look at him and realize you used him greatly and in the same way use us. So help us now, dear Lord, to listen and get now that which you have for us, and we'll thank you for it. We pray now and ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Back in the early 1940s, there was a world war raging, and there was all kinds of things, munitions and such, that needed to be uh, built and, and constructed in order for the war effort, and they needed every country to really get on the side of the Allies possible. Well, Panama was really a place with a lot of natural resources, and they wanted Panama's help, but they found out the natives, the, the national people of Panama, weren't much help, and the reason for that is they would only work a couple of days a week, and then... That was it, if you could imagine that, kind of like Orth and Strauss, you know, some of those guys. But uh, anyway, they were actually just content with what they could earn in a couple of days, and they said, we got everything we wish for, and, and so we don't need any more. And so they were, they were perplexed with how to get some more work out of these guys. They begged with them, they pleaded, they scolded them, and nothing worked until finally somebody got the idea of giving them some Sears and Roebuck catalogs. And you can see where this went. 
And let them just look through these catalogs and covet and drool over the pictures and see things they didn't have that they could have if they were willing to work a little bit more. And all of a sudden, these people who were at one time content got a lot of desires and a lot of wishes. What is it that you desire or what is it that, that you wish for? You know that Handel, the, uh, the one who wrote Handel's Messiah, he had a, a deep desire to die on Good Friday. I don't know why, but as he called it Good Friday, he wanted to die. And wouldn't you know, he actually died on Good Friday. It's like God gave him the desire of his heart. The Bible tells us in Psalm 37, 4, to delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. But it begs the question, what's the desire of your heart? What is it that you really want more than anything? I think we're familiar with Sigmund Freud, and he uh, was a psychologist years ago, and, and he studied a lot of different things about the human psyche. He said this, he said, I've spent 30 years in the most deepest research I could possibly get into, and he said, I've been looking at the mysterious workings of the heart, and I've, I think I've come to the conclusion on many things, he said, but there is one thing I'll never be able to figure out, and that is, what do women really want? <laughs> What do women, now don't laugh guys, but uh, I know you're inside going, yeah, that is a good question. What is it that women really want? Well, what do you really want? And if, if somebody gave you Aladdin's lamp and you rubbed it and the genie came out and granted you three wishes, what would those three wishes be? What would your petition be? Well, we're not talking about wishes here so much as, as a prayer request. And we're not talking about genie, we're talking about God. And we're talking about Jabez actually asking God for something. He asked God for something very, very spiritual. What would we ask God for if it were us? Would it be a million dollars? Everybody wants a million dollars. Or now it's a billion dollars because a million dollars doesn't go as far as it used to, right? By the way, you heard about George Washington throwing that silver dollar across Potomac? That was no big deal. A dollar went a lot further in those days, amen? (laughs) But if you could ask for anything, would it be a billion dollars? Or maybe some things, like like this fancy car, or or this fancy house, or maybe to travel, or maybe to have fun, or or maybe entertainment. Maybe maybe it's a relationship with, with the opposite gender. And you say, I just need a spouse. Some people wish to be a rock star. Some people wish to be famous. Uh, Some people wish to be on TV or celebrity. Some wish to be athletic. Some wish to have more friends. But everybody has desires. No question about that. Everybody has things they are wishing for. All kinds of things. And, And normally worldly things. But not Jabez. Jabez had something he really, really, really wanted bad. And it was a wonderful wish. And it reminds me much of the request that Solomon made uh, years prior to this. When God said, Solomon, you, you can have whatever you want. And Solomon didn't ask for money. And he didn't ask for the necks of his enemies. He, he didn't ask for even long life. God gave him all those things. But what he asked for was wisdom. Wisdom of heart. And that pleased the Lord when he asked for that. Now, we've been, we've been studying obscure Christian people in the Bible. God's nobodies, folks that are just barely mentioned, but all the lessons that we can learn from them. And it's important that we know who they are if we're saved because we're going to spend eternity with them one day. And it's for us to say, well, I know Jacob. And I, I, even, know, I even know Jehu. But who's Jabez? Well, 
today you're going to meet Jabez, and I hope that you'll never forget him because he was a great, great man in the Bible. And we find these two very profound verses that tell us some things that really give us some insight into the man Jabez. And as we look at his life, we see what I call, first of all, this sad environment. The sad environment that he was born into. As we look at the, the, the setting, and as we get perspective, and as we kind of lay things out and look at the conditions of what was going on at that time in Israel's history, we find out things were pretty sad. One thing about the Bible that I should mention is, is it's not in order chronologically. In fact, if this were a Hebrew Bible, if, if this were a Jewish Bible, the last book in the Old Testament would not be Malachi like our Bible. Now, those things are inspired and the Jews understand that, but they've kind of put it more in order. And the last two books of the Bible, the Jewish Bible, are First and Second Chronicles. So we would be at about the very end of the Jewish Bible. What's the time frame? Well, we know it was about the end of, of Jewish history. As far as when this actually took place... It's kind of hard to stick our finger on it, but I've studied best I could and kind of come up with a time frame. There's a lot of names mentioned in the book of Chronicles, especially starting in First Chronicles and going on. There's a lot of names that you don't recognize. This chapter starts out with Judah in verse 1, the sons of Judah. And we say, okay, there's one I know. And we have a reference point from there, but it really skips around a lot. And it goes from all these names here, and, and, and best I can tell... This is pretty near the end of, of when the Jews went into captivity. It was a time of weak kings. It was a time when war was being spoken of. There was talk of battles. It was a time of, uh, of a sleeping giant, an enemy, waiting and lurking in the shadows that, that were going to take the Jews into captivity. And so picture it as a Cold War time. We've had that in our nation's history in the 50s and the 60s quite a bit. And some of you remember the Cold War, where the, the U.S. was always looking over its shoulder and just waiting to be attacked. And that's how it was for Israel at this time. They're continually looking over their shoulder saying, what is coming on us? And it was kin continually on their mind that they had this cruel enemy that wanted to take them captive, that wanted to take their land, and that would happen. And for seven decades, the land would lay desolate, and, and, and Jeremiah had warned about this and said, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And by the way, there are preachers like myself who warned this nation that say, it's coming and it's coming. Well, for the first four chapters of First Chronicles, there's a bunch of names. I'll just be honest with you, it, it doesn't make great reading. If you're ever uh, having a hard time sleeping at night, maybe dealing with insomnia, it might be good to read the Chronicles because it mentions this one begat this one, and that one begat that one, and that one begat that one. And it is a little dry, still inspired, but it's, it's dry. And, and if you look at how Chronicles starts out, it starts out with one word, one name, Adam. And then it just goes on from Adam all the way through all these people. And as you're reading their names, you, you, you feel like you're walking through a graveyard. And, and you're reading epitaphs and names of tombstones of people long since gone. And you say, well, you know, this guy doesn't mean a whole lot to me. It's just one name after another. And there's hundreds of names. I mean, hundreds of names. But occasionally, you see a familiar name, you go, okay, Shimei, I, I know who that is. Oh, Josiah, I know who he is, or, or a Jonah, or, or whoever it might be. But for the most part, it's these names that are hard to pronounce. And you just read one after another, and they mean nothing to you. Until suddenly, 
you come across these two verses in First Chronicles chapter 4, and they're like uh, an oasis in the desert. I mean, they just pop up, and it's like the Spirit of God chooses to hover over these two verses. They come out of absolutely nowhere. makes no sense for them to be there whatsoever, but there they are, these two verses of faith and these two verses of hope. And it's like God flushes them to the surface for a reason. I think the Spirit of God wants us to learn something from the life of Jabez. Now, the name Jabez is actually a name that means pain, (laughs) grief, sorrow. The Jewish names always meant something. And Jabez basically was a name his mother gave to him at birth. We read in verse number 9, Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. So here is a name, pain, grief, sorrow, and it's linked to his birth. And we don't know exactly why. Maybe it was hard labor. We find babies in the Bible named bad names, weird names, because of the, the hard labor of, of the child itself. Maybe, maybe his name Jabez has something to do with his, his, uh, his labor, his, his, the mother's labor. You know, I've been at the births of all five of my children. And uh, we purposely given them names that uh, meant something. I would never name my child Jabez, uh, at least uh, knowing what I know about it. And why he was given that name, I don't know. Maybe it's the labor. Maybe it's uh, the situation at that time and in, in, in the lives of this couple who, who gave birth to him. Maybe it's a national issue. Maybe it was the looming war. Maybe this couple was having financial problems. Maybe the husband had left the wife. I don't know. Maybe the husband had been killed in battle. For whatever reason, it was a very sad, negative time. Maybe a grandpa had died. Maybe there was some tragedy. Uh, Life's a veil of tears, folks. It could have been a number of things. Because there's normally always something going wrong. But Jabez's mother said, I bear him in sorrow. Maybe he was unwanted. Maybe there was something about his birth. And maybe he came after a bunch of other kids. And mom might have been too old to raise him. We call this a caboose. And, and we all know somebody who, uh, you know, there were six kids in a row. And then ten years. And, and then a baby's born. I'm thinking of a dear lady who's uh, 45 and just had another baby. And, and she's going to be, you know, in her mid-60s by the time this child has grown up. I've known that many times. Maybe, maybe you're a child that was born after a bunch of kids. And, and uh, you know, Larry Clayton, by the way, dear Larry Clayton was one of those. I think 10 years had gone by and there were 10 other kids. And Larry Clayton is born, and he was, he was 13 pounds when he was born. You want to talk hard labor, all right? And uh, his mother was told by the country doctor, you got to quit having these big babies. <laughs> you got to quit having them, period. And, and she prayed especially that God would make him a, a preacher. And God did. But maybe it was something like that. Maybe Jabez was, was uh, you know, tagged on when, when really the couple thought they were having kids. I don't know what the reason was. I just know there are babies in the, the Bible that are given names that are kind of bad names. Benoi, uh, for Benjamin, earlier on, and his dad said, uh-uh, we're not going with that name. We're going to change it. Ichabod would be another name. Don't name your kid Ichabod. Just sounds icky, doesn't it? And so there are names like that. And, and, and some people name their kids faith, and, and some people name their kids charity, and some people uh, name their kids chastity or summer or, or hope. Well, this boy was named pain, <laughs> a grief, a sorrow, not off to a good start. Maybe a rocky start at best, and maybe you can identify with Jabez. I don't know the surroundings of, of your birth or your upbringing, but maybe you can relate 
not being accepted or, or not being wanted or being born into the midst of a family where there are already problems. I know of people who have been born and grown up in a certain home that was a rocky home and, and they blame themselves for a, a divorce that took place. And, and maybe you grew up with something like that and you can relate to that. There's a reason that God hovers over these two verses here. And God put these two verses in the midst of, of all these names here. I don't know the reason for sure, but God never does things by accident. The Bible does tell us that Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. So there are other children in that family, and he was more honorable than them. And I looked up that word honorable in the Greek or the Hebrew in verse 9, and it, it literally means industrious. So he was a very industrious man, a very influential man. That's what it means. It might be uh, because he felt he had to overcome some things. And so he had to work harder. And as a result, he became more industrious and, and more influential, and he outdid the other kids. I don't know, maybe he had this complex, maybe he had something to prove, but he becomes evidently successful, and he becomes a wealthy, and he proves something. And, and yet, he's trying to overcome that, that sad environment that he was born into. So we see, first of all, the sad environment. But secondly, we see this sincere entreaty. This prayer that he makes, a sincere one. Somewhere between his birth, mentioned in verse 9, and, and verse 10, he gets saved. Obviously, uh, he makes uh, God and Christ his, his Lord. He gives his heart and his life to his Lord. And he lifts up his heart in petition in verse number 10. And of any wish he could have wished for, of any prayer he could have prayed, he asks for for three, no, no, four things, practically four and a half things, as I count them in verse number 10. Let's read it together. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. There's one. And enlarge my coast. There's two. And that thine hand might be with me. That's three. And that thou wouldest keep me from evil. Four. And kind of adds that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. Now let's look at this prayer here. First of all, he says, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and underscore indeed in your Bible. Not just bless me, but with emphasis. Bless me indeed. Not your average blessing, not your common blessing, not your conventional blessing, but a real big blessing. Bless me and bless me indeed. Oh, God, there's tragedy surrounding my birth. I was born into this sad environment. Uh, this negative atmosphere was, was prevalent as I was being reared as a child. And, and God, just, just break through the clouds and contrast my past and bless me, but not just bless me. Bless me indeed. Make a difference in my, my future. Make it different from my past. That's what he's praying here. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. That's a good thing to ask God for a blessing. Uh, we find folks in the Bible who ask God to bless them. I think of Jacob. He would be one back in Genesis 32, 26. It says, And Jacob said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Remember when he was wrestling with the angel? He was determined. He wanted to be blessed. You know, earlier today at, uh, at the Bible class hour, we were talking about the blessed man in our classes. And I asked my class, anyone here want to be blessed? Any of you guys, any of you gals want to be blessed? Every hand goes up. Who doesn't want to be blessed? But Jacob here is serious about it. And he said, I will not let thee go, lest thou bless me. Maybe, maybe Jabez had been reading about 
Jacob. Maybe he was saying our names kind of sound the same. Let me look up his life. And so maybe he'd been reading the scrolls back there in Genesis. Maybe he saw where Jacob asked for a blessing and he got it from God. And so he's really serious about this and he wants to be blessed as, as well. We read in Genesis 22 and verse number 17, God's talking to Abraham and says that in blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. Here's the grandpa of, of Jacob, Abraham. And maybe Jabez was reading the same scroll in Genesis and he sees that God told Abraham, I'm going to really bless you, I'm going to make your seed like the, the sand of the sea. And Jacob looks at that and he says, oh, oh, could that be for me? Oh, is that available to me? Is God still on his throne and is God still able to do that? You know, he asked for a spiritual blessing. And by the way, they're the, the best blessings. It's okay to ask for a good job and to, to get through school and get the degree and, and, and maybe to purchase a certain home or, or find a certain spouse. And, and, and those things are well and fine. But the best blessings are spiritual blessings. And that's what Jabez had been asking. There's a lot of counterfeit blessings out there, but real blessings come from God. Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. And not only financial, God can make us rich in so many ways. There are a lot of people with a lot of money who are poor. There are a lot of folks with no money who are rich. And the Bible says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. Hardly a day goes by where I don't pray that prayer in the morning and I don't remind God of that verse and that promise and ask God to make that a part of my life because the blessing of the Lord does make rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. May that be our prayer. How are we blessed as God's people? In Ephesians 1.3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Notice the two words, in Christ. How are we blessed? In Christ. Don't ever forget that. I talked about that earlier today. Christ is alive. He lives on high. He's still overseeing all things, including your life as an individual. And we are blessed in Him. Oh, I could testify of that. What a difference He makes. You know, the, the joy He brings to life, the, the, the excitement, the meaning, the purpose. I feel sorry for those who aren't saved. I really do sometimes. Those who are feeding on the husks of this world and really missing out on it, really missing out on the blessings. You ought to thank God if you're saved. You know the Lord Jesus Christ because He's the source of all blessings. Now, back to verse number 10 here. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. Now, notice this next part. And enlarge my coast. And enlarge my coast. What's he talking about there? More property? More land? Maybe. But maybe more influence. I mean, he was a spiritual guy. He knew what he wanted. And the thing about him, he was industrious. He was hardworking. He went after it. I read over in Joshua chapter 17 as the Jews are taking the land there and Joshua's leading them into one battle after another. There's a crybaby tribe that comes to him whining about needing more land, Ephraim, figures, right? They're continually doing that. And they say, you know, God has blessed me, and we're a large people, and we deserve a bigger parcel of property here. And Joshua says in so many words, if you're so hot, and you're so big, and God's really blessing you, get up there and conquer it. Well, no, we just want to, you know, have it given to us. And he said, I gave you the woodland. Well, we've got to cut down the trees. And he said, get up there and cut them down. I mean, and Joshua really wouldn't buy into it. 
If we want our coasts enlarged, faith without works is dead. We need to get with it. And Ephraim had this whiny mentality, this, this welfare mentality of give it to me, and they didn't get it. Well, we need to quit sitting around waiting for it to happen. You know, we need to attempt great things for God. We need to expect great things from God. Jabez said, God, please enlarge my border. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I want to do more for you. I want more influence. I want to influence people within my circle of influence. And Lord, enlarge my borders. I've had enough of this gloom. I've had enough of this pessimism. By the way, we as God's people ought to have enough of that stuff too. I mean, what do we have to be pessimistic about? Uh, What do we have to walk around with the mule face over? God help us to, to want God to enlarge our borders. He said, I've had enough of all this negative of my past, that sad environment I've been growing up in. Lord, do something great with my life. Enlarge my border. There's a verse over in Isaiah, chapter 54 and verse 2, which says, enlarge the place of thy tent. And let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not, lengthen the cords, and strengthen the stakes. I love everything about that verse. It's just talking about expansion. I remember years ago as a young man, just called to preach, and George Wyatt, missionary to Africa, was in town. And he was my hero. He still is. He's he's like a great big brother in the Lord. And he got up and he preached on this text, and I have never forgotten that. What a verse. What a thought. That's what Jabez is talking about here. Intensify the use of my life. That's what he's saying. Enough of this inadequacy. I want to do something big for you, God. Enlarge my borders. You know, maybe, maybe you or me, maybe we have limited God's use of us by thinking wrongly. And, 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 and maybe we have been even told we'd never amount to anything. Maybe you grew up hearing that. You know, I said last week, you're not what you think you are. You're not what society thinks you are. You are what you think society thinks you are, right? And so you go around saying, well, that's what they think I am. That's what they think I am. And we give up. I'll never forget a preacher. He's with the Lord now. But he told this story years ago of how he knew God had called him to preach. He was an absolute zero with the ring rubbed out in his local church. He was a nothing. And he got called to preach... And, and at the same time, somebody else uh, surrendered to preach. He was an All-American, a big shot, and so on. And everybody went, oh, praise the Lord, the, this young man got called to preach. And nobody said anything about the other guy. And he got up to preach his first sermon on watch night, and he failed miserably. And somebody came up to him afterwards and said, you better give up this preaching business, brother. <laughs> you better give up this preaching business. Now, he could have limited himself right there, and, and, and maybe we've done that, limited ourselves. Jabez could have done it and just said, well, I got a miserable start. And by the way, we often raise our kids the way we were raised. Parents, we've got to be careful of that. Uh, we can limit them because we've limited ourselves, and, and unless we change that, we're going to duplicate failure in them. And, and so get that thing straightened out. Don't limit yourself. Jabez said, all right, I got a rocky start, but God enlarge my coast. Oh, that your hand would be upon me. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Oh, that you would enlarge my coast. And he really meant it. Now notice as we read on verse 10, Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. Now watch this. And that thine hand might be with me. I love that. That thine hand might be with me. He said, God, I don't want to go at this alone. I can't do this. Uh, I mean, if I try in the flesh, I'm going to fail miserably. God, I need your help. Oh, that your hand would go with me. Now, here's what I want you to do. But Lord, I want you to go with me. 
I remember Moses back there in, in the chapters of Exodus and things were going wrong. And uh, God showed up and he said, I, I'm going to have to just let you take it from here, Moses. If I stick with this group anymore, I'll kill them. And, and Moses said, I don't want to go without you. You've got to go with me. That's how Jabez felt. Oh, that thine hand might go with me. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, 173, Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. Lord, I'm counting on you. Lord, don't let me do it alone. Let thine hand help me. God says in Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Boy, that's good. And that's God talking. And he said, I'm willing to do that. Jabez was saying, God... Oh, enlarge my coast, but go with me. God, I I want to feel the need of your help. That's who God uses mightily. God does not use those who think they can do it on their own. God uses mightily those who do it in His power and for His glory. We need to remember that. Now, I don't know what your future is here, not all of you. And maybe you're heading for uh, great things. Maybe you're heading for self-employment. Maybe you're uh, heading for... uh, the, uh, the, the, the state house is a statesman. Maybe you have a, a powerful a future ahead of you. Maybe you're going to be a great preacher. I just want to say, go with God. Go with God. As God enlarges your coast, say, oh, that thou might be with me. Now, notice in verse number 10. Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, first of all, oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed. Secondly, and enlarge my coast. Thirdly, and that thine hand might be with me. Fourthly, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. Do we desire for God to keep us from evil? You say, well, not going to happen to me. You would be surprised who gets tripped up. You would be surprised who gets knocked out of the race. Hardly a month goes by where I don't hear about a Christian that gets picked off, sometimes in a high place. And it can happen to absolutely anybody. It's tragic when it does. But Jabez said, Oh, keep me from evil that it might not grieve me. In Proverbs 30 and verse 8, the wise man said, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Don't take anything for granted. God, keep that stuff away from me. Jesus talked about how to pray in Matthew 6.13. He told us to pray, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver me from evil, God. Sometimes we're our own worst enemy. And, 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 and we ought to say, Lord, keep me from evil. You know, Jacob was near his death, and, and he brought in the sons of Joseph. And, and there in his dying days, he talked about in Genesis forty-eight sixteen how the angel, which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them. And the name of my father is Abraham and Isaac. Notice he mentioned this angel. I don't know if it's a reference to Christ or another, another messenger from God, but he talked about this angel which redeemed me from all evil. God, keep us out of evil. Jabez said that it would not grieve you. No. He said, God, that it would not grieve me. That it wouldn't grieve me. Now, our sin grieves God. No question about it. And in Ephesians 4.30, it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. No question, our sin grieves God. But if God is living within us and He's grieved, guess what? 
you're going to be grieved. You're going to be grieved. Because he takes up residence within us. And you can't grieve your tenant and feel good on your own. No way. There have been many times I know I've been grieving God and, and I've been grieved in the process. And so we find out here, Jacob says, oh, that I would not grieve me with my sin. By the way, it's a play on words there. His name Jabez means grief, remember? He's saying, oh, that I would not live up to my name, that I would not grieve God, that I would not grieve me, that I'd break the shackles of the past, that I'd get a fresh start here, a fresh start. That's salvation, by the way. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, and old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. When we get saved, it's a fresh start. It's like the Jabez is gone, the grief is gone, the sorrow is gone, the pain is gone as far as the sin that grieves us, that's taken us into a crisis eternity. And when we're in Christ, all things are passed away, all things become new when we're born again God's way. Sometimes God will bring people to a, a crossroad in their life to bring them to that place of being saved. I was talking to somebody earlier today, and, and I asked them their testimony, and they said, when I was in college, he said three friends, three, three fellow classmates of mine were killed in a car accident, in one car accident instantly. He said, I never forgot that. He, he said, I went seeking God. Where would I be if I were to die? Where were they now? He had all these questions, and God brought them to the truth. Sometimes God will bring us to a crossroad, and, and, it, and at such times as that, like Jabez, I believe he was at this crossroad, and he prayed this prayer, and he said, Lord, this is what I really want. Reminds me of Jacob once again in Genesis 28 and verse 20 that Jacob vowed a vow saying, God, or if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. Maybe you're at a crossroad there. Maybe you're, you're getting serious or you've gotten serious about God really using you. And like Jabez, you're sick of the, the past, you're sick of the mundane, you're sick of the sad environment that you've lived in before, and you say, Lord, I'm serious now. So we see that sad environment, this sincere entreaty, and finally we see what I call this splendid effect. This splendid effect. There's a lesson to be learned here, and it's this. You can have a, a, a rough past and yet overcome it. In fact, nobody had a rougher, rockier start than Jesus Christ, if you think about it. I mean, born into poverty, born into whispers and, and rumors about a birth out of wedlock, born in Nazareth, the wrong side of the tracks. I mean, uh, basically brothers who, uh, and sisters who went, boy, this is Mr. Perfect, I, you know, and, 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 and others, neighbors who wanted to stone him and throw him over cliffs. And I mean, everything was, was turned against him, but never was a more splendid, significant life ever lived than his. We can overcome a rocky start. It all started, though, in verse 10, where Jabez called on the God of Israel. Who did he call on? Remember the sad environment in which he was living at that time? Most people were calling on Baal or Beelzebub or some other false god. But Jabez called upon the Lord. It says Jabez called upon the God of Israel. The God of Israel. That's where it all begins. Psalm 55, 16, the psalmist said, As for me... I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. God makes all the difference. Now, what's the result of all of this? Well, the last part of verse 10 says, And God granted him that which he requested. And God granted him that which he 
requested. And only God is able to do that. Are we asking God? That's the first question. Or are we selling God short? Or even selling ourselves short with what God wants to do through us? In Psalm, or I'm sorry, Isaiah 59.1, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear. God is not limited. We are the ones who limit God. And so Jabez asked for some pretty big things here, and God said, okay, that pleases me. Yes, I can grant you that. Now, can we identify with Jabez? As we look at his life here, maybe, maybe we have a past that is strewn with pain and sorrow and grief, and we've convinced self or we've limited self that, eh, this is as good as it gets. Well, humility is fine. I'm, I'm not talking about that. But what if God has a bigger role for you than the one you're fulfilling right now? Maybe you've shorted yourself. You know, as kids, we dream of being astronauts and presidents and, you know, CEOs and top guns and, and generals. Along the way, quite often, life beats us up, doesn't it? And life will come along and convince us you're shooting too high, settle for less. Well, that's the world. But God works in the realm of faith. And uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And so we operate in the realm of faith. And in fact, Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Would you say that Jabez was diligently seeking him? And if the answer is yes, would you say that that pleased God? He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, some closing thoughts here. First of all, a rough start does not equal a disappointing life. A rough beginning, coming out of the blocks and stumbling like Jabez did, does not equal a disappointing life. You know, the devil tries to convince us that, uh, look where you come from, you'll never amount to anything. Well, Jabez amounted to something, so much so that God picked him in the midst of all these names, and he takes these two verses, and he hovers over them, and he says, look at his life. Number two, we learn that Christian people need God's hand upon them in order to succeed. Now, the unsaved in their flesh, lifting themselves up by their bootstraps, might be able to succeed. But Christian people need God's hand on us, God's presence on us. And uh, it might not factor in with the unsaved, but it factors in with us. And so Jabez was wise, that thy hand might go with me. Sadly, I know Christians, and they make the mistake of trying to climb a ladder in life, and as they get higher, they forget God. Big, big, big mistake. Don't forget God. He said in verse 10 that thy hand might be on me. Now, thirdly, we find here that uh, if God enlarges your border, if God blesses you, that's God's business. Sometimes there are folks who uh, get jealous over that. There are folks who have a problem with that. They look at you with envy. They look at you with suspicion. You don't have to feel guilty over that. You, You don't have to apologize for that. The bottom line is, if God blesses you, there's a reason. It's not the Midas touch. It's you've made yourself blessable. And Jabez made himself blessable. Now, the final thing we learn from Jabez is, are we asking for anything from God? Or are we so short-sighted that we, well, you know, I wouldn't get anything. James says you have not because you ask not. Is there anything right now you're asking God for? What are you asking God for these days? That's a good question. 
What, what is there in your life that requires faith? And you, you are asking God by faith to do it. Jeremiah 33.3, God says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Many years ago, John R. Rice told the story of a dream he had had where he died and he went to heaven and, and the Lord was showing him through the glorious sights of heaven. And they came across this big room and it was full of presents, lots of presents, all gift-wrapped. Brother Rice asked the Lord, what are these? And Christ said, these are the things I had set aside for my children, he, but they never asked me for them. You know, there's quite a thought there. Are there a number of things gift-wrapped in heaven? I'm not talking about a health and wealth gospel. I am talking about things that God wants us to have for His glory down here, but we're not even asking them. We have not because we ask not. Well, Jabez means pain and sorrow and grief, and he had a, a bad beginning, but apparently has a wonderful ending. In fact, there's perhaps a town named after him, 1 Chronicles 2.55 mentions the families of the scribes which dwelt at Jabez. Apparently became a very influential man. Over 2,500 years ago, there was a young man. He was just starting out, and he had hopes, and he had dreams, and he had aspirations. But anyone who knew him, even from his name, thought he wouldn't amount to anything. But he made a wish. He petitioned heaven. In verse 10, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. What a wish. What a wish. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Puppet Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.